I'm Alex Del Soro. I'm Alex Del Soro. I'm Alex Del and we have we have just Eddie. It's Eddie Sauer. Needed to France. Eric Murray. It's Mahi Drysdale. It is Sir Matthew Vincent. Thank you for being here. I'm Alex Del Soro with Rowan Choice, and this is another round of podcast interviews. Now, if you've been listening, you've noticed our trend of people that we've been talking to, and a lot of it's like with programs that don't get all of the spotlight. Now, unless you've been living under a rock, you know the school that he coaches at. Grand Valley State University has been around a long time with a lot of success. Now, this is the 96th podcast, and we have Dan Martin, the head coach of this program, and we have a lot to talk about because we have crossed paths over the years. Dan, thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. Excited. I start every podcast the same way. First off, I want to acknowledge you have an incredibly good tan line going on right now on your face. If you are not listening, if you are not watching this podcast, this man has spent the entire day with sunglasses and boy, is that bird mark perfect. But I digress. I want to know how old were you and where were you when you took that first rowing stroke? I was 15 years old, 16, 16 years old um, at uh, Lake Braddock Secondary School, uh, Burke, Virginia, just outside of D.C. Um, my sophomore year, the year before, a couple of my friends had joined the team and uh, for the rest of that year, couldn't shut up about it. Uh, so I figured, you know, hey, I've either got to join this thing and see what it's all about, or I really can't be friends with you anymore because it's getting kind of irritating. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, hold on. First off, Lake Braddock um, has had a mix of results over the years. I mean, they at, at times they were really, really fast and like everyone knew in, in Virginia area how good they were. Um, what year was this? This was back in, uh, I started in the fall of 02, uh, spring of 03, my junior year, and then uh, spring of 04, senior year. So you and I are exactly the same age. I love it. So <laughs> I graduated from mainland in 2004. Okay, okay. so we're, we're spot on. Now we were competitive against each other. We're talking like almost 20 years ago. How does it feel <laughs> You almost hit your 20th anniversary from uh, graduating from high school. How does it feel? Wow. You know, be honest, I haven't really thought about it, but now that I do, yeah. oh, when did that happen? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It's so, I was thinking about it, Dan, the other day. I'm like, man, I'm almost 20 years out of this. I mean, it's shocking, Dan. It's shocking. It is. So, yeah, where did the time go, you know? It's really, well, we're going we're gonna to hear where your time went, actually, in the last 20 okay. years. <laughs> so. You, I like this. They couldn't shut up about it. What were they saying? Just were they just talking about the success, the erging? Like, what was what were the conversations going on? Yeah, you know, it was uh, every day at lunch. You know, uh, we'd start off talking about whatever it is we were we were talking about as a big group, and then uh, you know, these two guys would always manage to redirect the conversation. Oh, hey, this thing happened at practice the other day. Or, uh, you know, we've got this race coming up. Or, uh, oh, yeah, that reminds me about this thing my teammate said. Um, you know, so it was a lot about the, uh, you know, a lot about the, the just the day-to-day, -day about how everything seemed to come back to relate to their, uh, uh, to their experience with crew. Um, you know, I was like, wow. I mean, okay, oh, A, can we talk about something else? B, this has got to be really, really compelling, you know? And it, it didn't, it didn't always focus on the, on the same thing. It wasn't about like, oh yeah, I'm working so hard. I'm getting, it was, it was just, it was the social part. It was the, you know, the team aspect. It was, uh, Hey, I'm like getting to do this really cool thing that nobody else gets the chance to do. Like, 
want to sit in a boat and pull an oar? Like who, who gets to do that? You know, it, it was completely out of my realm of experience. Um, but yeah, I figured, you know, hey, if they can come back and find a way to get into rowing with any other thing we're talking about, like this has got to be something pretty cool. <laughs> Dude, I'm laughing because every single person listening to this can relate to what you just said. There, there is not a single rower on the planet that cannot relate to that. Amen. And when you find that group of kids, specifically at the high school level, I think when you find eight or 10 kids that have that obsession and are best friends from that, I feel like you can't lose, right? Like you cannot lose. Now, back when you and I were there, Thomas Jefferson was the, the team, right? And I, 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 I love getting this into conversation. I smoked them our senior year uh, at the GW, thank you, applause, at the GW invite, right? So that was their first loss that year. Yeah. And then they beat us at Stoats and, and we lost by a deck uh, at SRAs. But back then, when you and I were there, was what was the talk like of that team? Because they were the best team in the country and you're like a stone throw away from them. I mean, you're not far from them. Yeah, you know, it was uh, at that time, um, frankly, we played in different, uh, in different arenas. Uh, you know, Lake Braddock, when I was there, um, we weren't that good. Um, you know, so when we were entered into eights events and we knew we had TJ coming up, we're like, well, I guess we're fighting for second. Though realistically, we were happy if we made the final. Um, you know, so we, we honestly didn't really have to think about TJ too much because they were just so far out of our league. Um, you know, but we all thought it was kind of amusing that, uh, you know, this school full of, uh, you know, a bunch of science and tech nerds is also incredibly talented and incredibly athletic. Uh, so it was a little, little inherent contradiction in that one. But, uh, you know, yeah, it was uh, we were in awe of what they were what they were able to do year in and year out. It, yeah, it, it really was a special time in rowing. Um, so you 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 stick it out. You go all the way through senior year. Um, did you decide to row in college? Did you keep that going? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I decided, Hey, you know, this is a, this is a really fun thing. Um, I can't remember if I knew that point. Um, but I was always kind of a scrub rower. <laughs> you know, I made my, uh, I'm rode clean and, uh, otherwise I really didn't contribute much, uh, power wise. So I wasn't getting any kind of looks. Um, I knew I was going to have to walk on anywhere. Um, but you know, I, uh, ended up getting into, uh, university of Virginia, um, walking onto uh, their program there. Uh, Talked to the coach. My first conversation with um, ah, it was uh, Coach James, James DeFilippi uh, was our novice coach uh, that year. My first conversation with him was, "Hey, I also want to be in the band. So uh, how's that going to work?" <laughs> so I don't know what he was thinking. Going like, "Man, who who is the, who is this nerd?" Uh, but we made it work, and uh, you know, graduated uh, having having rode all four years there. Uh, yeah. By the way, Dan, I so appreciate honesty. And you say you were a scrub rower, you weren't that, you didn't really provide a whole lot of power in the boat. It, it's, it's difficult for people to tell the truth about that. You know, most high school guys that rode in high school, it's their glory days. You know, it, they'll, they'll make it up. Oh, I went 610. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. You went 640. Shut up. So UVA. So what? you didn't want to just go to UVA to row, right? That's a club sport. It's, it's not, you, you know, you're not winning nationals all the time. You wanted to go for a reason. Why choose UVA beyond uh, the rowing aspect? Yeah. You know, um, I like to say anything, everything about my college journey, uh, I kind of fell into backwards. Um, 
I didn't put a lot of thought into where I was going to school. I applied to like four places. Um, one place my uncle went to and wrote at uh, up at Cornell. I had no chance with them. Uh, I got basically one step up from a uh, letter scrawled in crayon no uh, when I applied to them. Um, otherwise, you know, a couple of other schools. Um, uh, but yeah, I got into UVA and uh, it was the best option for, uh, you know, for other places that I'd, I'd been accepted to. Um, didn't bother visiting anywhere until I'd gotten in. Uh, took one walk around uh, around grounds down there. It was like, yeah, this will do. Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't. <laughs> one step above a crayon. <laughs> no, it's so funny, Dan. I, I everything that you've said so far. So many people that have made rowing their life passion can relate to your journey so far right? I mean, you stumbled into rowing, you found it because people wouldn't shut the fuck up, right? They just kept talking and talking and talking. And then you really enjoyed just the experience. You know, you weren't winning national championships. You knew you had no shot at winning and beating these Olympic level athletes. Cause I mean, they are, those guys were like national team, like a couple of them made the national team. Yeah. Um, and then you, you stumble into UVA. Um, I, everything you're saying is so relatable. Um, UVA, though, at that time had some success. You guys were pretty quick. Now, you, you're mixing it with band. What was, what was your major then? Chemistry. Chemistry. Jeez, and you're a smart guy. My God. <laughs> uh, so you have chemistry major, which is, I'm sure, grueling. You got the band and you got rowing. How successful or not successful was your career at UVA in rowing? Ooh, well, let's, let's put it this way. Um, my on-water career peaked uh, when I managed to squeak my way into the top half of the 2V uh, in the last three weeks of my senior year. Uh, excuse me, my fourth year. I got to keep with the lingo. Um, <laughs> no, same idea. You know, I'm, a, I'm an undersized, underpowered kid. Um, and I'll be honest, I didn't really understand how to work hard until midway through my third year there. Um, you know, it's kind of going along to get along. Um, I had the privilege of being part of a very, very strong novice class. Um, you know, and I, uh, I think I, what I contributed there was I didn't upset the boat, uh, to allow the big guys to, uh, you know, really crank on it, uh, you know, all through that fall, um, had some success in the two end that spring. Um, you know, a lot of those guys continued for, uh, you know, a lot of that time. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I was a, like I said, I'm a, I'm a, I was a little guy. Um, I think I capped at 155 pounds and 5'11 and three quarters. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I sat back, I set the boat up and I let the guy, let the big guys go to work. <laughs> Again, relatable. I love it. Um, what, so what happens, what happens next? Like where, what you, you're like, I, I remember 2008, like it was yesterday, like when you and I graduated, mm -hmm. It was about survival, right? Like I was, I found three jobs. I just, whatever I could take, I, I, I could get yeah, good, you know, all that. Um, and I'm at GW. So I'm only 155 miles away from you, right? Yeah. So we went to, we went to two schools really close. We raced each other a lot um, in those times. So like what happens next in your career? 2009, what are you doing? Yeah, yeah. Um... I was part of a, a five-year program, uh, at, you know, at UVA. Um, you link the uh, the bachelor's in whatever you're getting along with the master's in teaching. Um, okay. That was another decision I fell backwards into because I realized that hey, I, I like this whole chemistry thing, 
but not enough to go and do more schooling in it. Uh, so I was like, yeah, teaching, that looks good. Um, you know, and then three years later, uh, I'm getting out with a master's in teaching and, uh, you know, a new license um, where I'm promptly told, um, hey, um, you got into a little bit of trouble uh, in your uh, college years, so uh, we can't actually hire you right now. <clears throat> what? I was, I was young and dumb, uh, spent night in jail there. Um, just, you know, <laughs> dumb college Dude, where is this where is this going where is this conversation going bro i'm like on the edge of my seat you have to tell us what don't give me all the details if you don't want to but you were in jail what happened uh you know i was i was uh i was god i can't remember which year was it freshman year sophomore year anyway i was coming home from party one night uh i was far too uh far too to the wind um, and uh you know i was walking home and uh, apparently not doing a very good job of it and uh the uh friendly uh campus police officer was like you know what i don't trust you to be able to go home so uh, why don't you come uh, dry out and i'm like okay i guess i don't have a choice um so you know get a uh, get something on my record it was fine but uh you know schools uh especially high school public program, uh, public high schools in uh, Virginia don't really take too kindly to that one. Uh, so I had a bit of a cooling off period before I could get into the workforce. Wow. What did, what did your parents say about this? <laughs> they were like, oh, you're not dead? Great. Uh, you're paying the fines and uh, now you get to deal with it. Congratulations. <laughs> Unreal. All right, so 2009, you have a, you have a cooling off period uh you're hanging around virginia you're born and raised in that area so what what'd you do what what did you find i uh i sat on my butt for about 10 months and felt sorry for myself um spent a lot of time playing video games uh then uh that spring that spring of 09 um no serious spring of 10 um i found a job um working for a tutoring company um like sat prep that kind of thing um but then quickly branched out into you know homework help and AP tests work, uh, working with kids to get their, uh, you know, get their grades up, getting their AP tests squared away. Um, got my first paycheck, promptly moved out with a couple of, a uh, couple of guys. Um, one of whom was a teammate at UVA, um, a couple of his high school friends and teammates, um, got a house together that then summer, the, uh, summer of 2010, um, I, uh, started volunteering with a, uh, local club, uh, specialized in sculling, um, Instead of paying me, they just uh, gave me access to their uh, access to their equipment so I could train and uh, and race. Uh, so Sandy Run Scholars, thank you very much for uh, getting me back in. Um, I stayed with them for the next seven years, um, just coaching in the summers and uh, in the falls, um, running little learn to skull classes, um, which was really fun. Um, and side benefit, I got to use uh, use their boats whenever I wanted and uh, started racing again um, in that fall of twenty and of uh, fall of twenty ten. Oh my gosh. And oh my gosh. Well, Sandy Run, great program. Uh, fantastic boathouse. Holy cow. And that water. I mean, <laughs> you, I don't think people appreciate how good the water is in that stretch. They really don't. You know, um, we'll always find something to complain about. I know I didn't appreciate it when I was coaching there. It's too many people. It gets windy you went from this direction and it's terrible getting back onto the dock. Like, what is this going on? I have to dodge all of these idiot high schoolers. Um, yeah, and then leaving it's uh, and looking back at it, it was like, holy crap. Like, it is incredible, absolutely incredible what you have there. Uh, you know, fully protected 2K course. You got 10 miles worth of rowable water. 
there's yes. always something you're going to find, you know, good water to row on. And all of those programs around, you get to race somebody every single day if you want to. It's fantastic. I, dude, you're preaching here. So fall 2010, you know, year and a half after you're done college, you're, you're jumping in a skull. You're jumping in a single. Is that right? It is. How serious did you take that, that, that transition, like that, that time? You know, it was, uh, it was a pretty steep learning curve. Um, before I got into, into the single with Sandy Run, I think I'd sculled three times. Uh, one of those was uh, back in second year of school uh, where uh, my coach was like, hey, I don't really have a spot in a boat for you right today. Uh, why don't you go uh, figure out how to row this trainer? Okay, cool. Um, the second time was later that week where I uh, rode the same trainer and managed to flip it. So, uh, you know, that was fun. Um, yeah. And then I think I'd, I'd maybe been in a boat one other time, uh, you know, until I started again that summer. Um, so it was a big, uh, big learning curve. I'm jumping into a little, uh, uh, little racing single, um, having absolutely no idea what I'm doing other than put ore in water, pull. Um, was fortunate enough to get, uh, get some coaching from uh, one of the other members and kind of driving force behind the club. Um, and, uh, you know, a couple of sessions there. And then he's like, all right, you're good. You know enough to not, uh, not kill yourself. So go figure it out. Um, which was really what I needed. Um, you know, I needed a, a kind of soft on-ramp back into, uh, back into training. I'd been out of it for months and I was in terrible shape. Um, and had pretty much forgotten everything I knew about rowing. Um, so it was a really good opportunity to kind of figure stuff out again, get my feet back under myself and, uh, you know, kind of rediscover what I really liked about the sport, uh, in a completely new, new way, you know, uh, just being out there yourself, totally different from having a big team and a coxswain and, you know, all that. So um, it was really cool getting to see it from another side. How eerie is it? How quiet, like, especially on that stretch of water. I mean, it's, you couldn't be more alone mm -hmm. aside from the turtles and the birds. I mean, it's, it's a weird, having rode the single a lot uh, when I had my first experience back then too, um, I felt so alone, like so alone. And I'm so used to having, people around me all the time, you know, like yeah. how, how was that, how was that first experience? You know, it was definitely a, it was definitely an adjustment. Um, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd found that, you know, through my, you know, through my, my high school and college career, uh, a lot of, a, a lot of what I was doing was about, you know, Hey, got to be there for the, for these other guys, you know, mm -hmm. got to do this thing, um, and do the work and, you know, get it right. Um, you know, because of the people around me, um, you know, and so then putting into a situation where not only is nobody telling me what to do, um, but I'm the only person that gets let down if I don't do it right. Um, you know, it was weird trying to find the new, find the new motivation, find the new like reason to get it right. You know, it's always a lot easier to, uh, you know, fall down yourself rather than, you know, letting somebody else down. So um, kind of flipping that switch took, took some time, you know, but uh, I think really valuable uh, in the long run. So you do you do like do you do like local races? Do, like what what were you competing in at that point? Yeah, um, you know, for the, the those I guess five or six falls, um, you know, I was racing two or three times a fall in just the local head races at Sandy Run. Um, I did one sprint race ever um, and got my ass thoroughly handed myself handed to me. Um, but yeah, I, I like the head race in single. I think it's it's a it's a heck of a lot of fun um, and. Uh, I think the uh the really cool part down at sandy run is that um don't know if they're still doing it but uh bob spousta uh at george mason um uh 
that time was getting together a group um, starting in the late summer and running through, you know, mid fall, getting together twice a week in the mornings and going out and doing, uh, you know, two by 5k races, uh, just to get prepped for those, uh, for those head races that are hosted that were at the, uh, at that boathouse. So uh, he saw me out, um, you know, just training on my own a uh, couple of times that summer. I was like, Hey, you should come out and, and try this. Um, that's a great group of folks, you know, get up and hit the boathouse six o'clock in the morning and uh, go out and get your ass handed to you by a, uh, you know, guy who's almost triple your age. Um, it's humbling. <laughs> so I, I've known Bob a long time and uh, I don't know how well, you know, baseball, but I think he's the Cal Ripken of rowing. Like if there is a Cal Ripken of rowing, it's Bob Spousta. Absolutely. He's the Iron Man of rowing. I like that's like Cal Ripken was nicknamed the Iron Man. And like that's the if anyone who's listening or watching this, Bob Spousta, Cal Ripken of rowing, tell me I'm wrong. So I can't. <laughs> you can't. Exactly. So. Um, all right. So did you do high school coaching? Were you coaching any high school kids or teams at this period? Not in that time. Um, I wasn't able to get into the classroom uh, until the fall of 2011. I was hired at Fairfax High School, um, thanks to a, uh, a ref from uh, a reference from one of my uh, uh, master's classmates. Um, and I started teaching that fall. Um, at this point, I was still just coaching with uh, with Sandy Run. Um, yeah, I think like I ran a four week session that met twice a week uh, that fall. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, this is actually a weird little bit of parallel. Um, through that fall, uh, I had a couple of kids in one of my classes who were on the Fairfax High School team. Uh, and I noticed that they kept talking about it. They kept talking about it. And I was like, you know, I think I've got something here. Um, so I reached out to, uh, reached out to the, uh, the, the, the parent board uh, that ran the program was, hey, you know, I've got all this stuff I got to do after, after school with, uh, you know, after school hours, you know, helping out kids. So I can probably volunteer for a couple of days a week if that's all right. And they were like, yeah, it's great. Um, showed up the first day or God, no, I was like the third week of winter training, I think, uh, was doing two days a week with them. And then that quickly morphed into my being there four days a week. And about a month later, they started paying me. So I was like, okay, I guess I'm a coach now. <laughs> Why did you, why did you, uh, why did you offer to volunteer first and not try to push? I wasn't sure if I was going to have the time to be able to commit to it. Um, this is still my first year teaching. I was, you know, just trying to keep my head above water. Um, and, uh, you know, I knew that I had, you know, we had after school hours for uh, homework help and all that on two days a week, um, uh, you know, for the, uh, you know, for my actual, my real job. Um, so I, I wasn't sure that I'd be able to commit the time that, um, I knew the, I knew the team was going to need, uh, if I was going to be a coach, um, quickly found out that balancing it actually was a lot easier if I used my planning periods, right. <laughs> and didn't have to take a whole bunch of work home. Um, so yeah, basically, uh, was able to get up to a, a four day week, um, uh, commitment with them, um, within, I think two weeks, uh, the head coach who had. Uh, who was in place at that time, uh, took another opportunity. Uh, and so the, all of us assistants are like trying to figure out what's going on. And uh, I got handed the varsity women's squad, uh, having been there, I think a grand total of five days. Um, so I was like, all right, I guess I can't back out now. Uh, I'm the guy. <laughs> so uh, made that work that, uh, that year. Who was the head coach that left right away? 
Wow. I don't even remember. Uh, I think I've met him three times maybe, <laughs> but yeah, it, it was one of those stories where he was, uh, he was, you know, working a real job, um, you know, coaching on the side and then got offered a, you know, a position that he couldn't, he couldn't pass. Um, you know, so followed the, followed the career and was like, Hey, I'm sorry, but you know, we got to get this done. Um, you How know, many so years were, did you do this? How many years were you at Fairfax? I was there for six years. Uh, I was three years as the, uh, as the varsity women's coach under, uh, uh, let's see, our head coach was a guy named, uh, Chris Bond at that point. Um, and then, uh, Chris left to, uh, you know, pursue some other stuff. And my last three years at Fairfax, I was the head coach as well. Do you, do you miss coaching juniors at that age? Like, do you miss being around that kind of naive energy and, and almost like, like they're all dumb, like, you know, all these coaches just, just dumb. Uh, do you miss that at all? There's a part of me that does. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a very different experience from, you know, from what we're getting now, uh, coaching in college. Um, you know, I think the, I think the big thing, like, yeah, they just, they don't know, you know, and, and there's a much bigger part of, uh, there's a much bigger part of the, of the, of the coaching experience uh, of just introducing them to something that's a brand new, but B just totally out of the realm of any of their experiences prior to this. Um, and then like watching them get excited and watching them like, oh, wow, I figured this out. Um, and this is something that I, no I noticed in the classroom too. Um, you know, I, I, I loved that these high schoolers would present themselves and carry themselves and really clearly strive to be seen as adults, you know, and 90% of the time they can really pull it off, you know, and you're able to have conversations with them and, you know, talk about really, you know, some pretty in-depth stuff. Um, you know, they're really perceptive. They're really, uh, you know, they know what's going on. But then the other 10% of the time, they do something that's so mind-numbingly stupid. You're like, oh, right. You still don't have a fully formed brain. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, I do miss that sometimes. You know, it's, uh, um, it's something you don't really get with college, you know, where uh, everybody's a lot more sure of themselves of who they are and, you know, where they are. And they're actually the adults. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's definitely a different experience. I love that. 2017. Um... What what do you what do you do next? Where you, where because I, I, everything everything culminates to this 2017 2018 time in your life. So what happens then? So uh, those last the last like year and a half that I was teaching, um, started to realize more and more like this is getting to be a bit of a drag. Mm. Um, you know, I, I've been telling people for years like I love teaching. Being a teacher really sucks. You know. Um, yeah, just all the stuff you hear about in the news, it's, you know, mandates and different, you know, different policies every year and chasing different goals every year. It's, it's, it's tough to keep your feet under yourselves. Um, you know, and so I was getting a little, getting a little tired with being in the classroom, um, you know, with all the other non-teaching stuff that went along with it, you know, all the paperwork, all that. So, um, but I got to go to the river every day. You know, mm -hmm. I looked forward to going to practice at the end of the day. Um, you know, and so I was starting to talk with, uh, uh, talk with my wife, Tori, um, about, Hey, you know, I think I want to try to make this a, make this a thing. Like I, I, I want to pursue rowing, um, was fortunate that she was totally on board. Um, she grew up in the DC area, had lived there her entire life and was basically like, look, I want to get out of here. 
<laughs> you know, see something new, get out and see different parts of the country. Um, also, there's no way in God's green earth we would have been able to afford a house <laughs> if we stayed in the DC area. Um, you know, so I was uh, started to look, uh, started to look for uh, college positions in the uh, like January, February of 2017. Um, didn't really, uh, didn't really get any uh, any hits. Um, you know, through the uh, through that early part of the spring, which in retrospect, you know, if there's a position open in the mid in the middle of the year, yeah, you really want to take it. Yep. Nope. Yeah. Nope. Um, which was which was fine. Uh, was able to finish out uh, that season with uh, with Fairfax. Um, you know, had a had a good time with that, and then um, wow, like the week leading up to Stotesbury uh, that year, um, saw an ad for uh, for Grand Valley. Um, I was like. I know that name. I know Grand Valley. <laughs> I've heard stuff about uh, about this coach, uh, John Bancari. Like, I've heard he does really good work up there. Um, I'd raced against Grand Valley a couple of times at Sierra over the previous couple of years. Um, you know, definitely rec uh, respected the uh, you know the, the the kind of speed that they were able to put out. And uh, yeah, you know, opportunity to go up and, and work for and learn from this guy who'd been doing this for years and years and years um, with underfunded programs and turning them into you know, really powerful rowing teams. Um, I was like, wow, this is awesome. Um, so, uh, you know, sent over, uh, sent over an email application was like, Hey, you know, this would be a great opportunity. Um, we had a phone interview after my cruise got knocked out at Stotesbury, uh, you know, that weekend. Um, and within a two weeks, I was flying up to, uh, Grand Rapids to, uh, go meet John and, uh, you know, some of the student board and, you know, that's all she wrote. I, I want to know, I got, I got like a million questions. Uh, <laughs> that's a year after they went to Henley, right? So they went to Henley in 16. <clears throat> they had a couple straight fours that were cooking fast. I mean, like he had built and he spent a lot of time over in Europe. So it's like a really good time to be getting into Grand Valley in that 17, 18 era. He also had a couple of really fast women's eights. Um, what was that first conversation? How long was that first phone conversation? Because I know how long he could talk. Yeah. <laughs> like tell me how long that was you know it actually wasn't all that long um 20 25 minutes or so uh you know i'm just walking uh i'm walking along the schuylkill um you know going hey like let's let's talk a little bit of rowing like what are you looking for um what can i bring to you um you know how's this going to work um yeah you know, so there's a lot of uh you know just kind of base level like you know what's the job look like and how am i going to fit in um you know he, i think he definitely did a lot more of the talking than i did it was a lot of uh <laughs> yes sir no sir that sounds great cool um yeah i wasn't contributing much but uh yeah it was, it was a relatively short conversation there uh he is and i said this in my i had an interview with him uh, a couple months ago and i said that he is the only coach i have ever had in my life that i call coach to this day 37 going to be 37 this year mm -hmm. and i get choked up because that guy changed my life and he is the only person i still call coach and, you know, at, at our age, we've had so many, you know, like I, I was rowing at Potomac for years at, at BRC and then like high school and college, like he's the guy. So you, you, you're, you're touching on some heartstrings here. Um, you get to see this guy a couple of months, I think a couple of weeks later, you said a couple of weeks you're, you're there. Mm -hmm. What was that first experience like seeing him and being at the boathouse? Yeah, it was, uh, it was kind of a, kind of an interesting introduction, um, you know only the best flight we could find got me in at like 10 o'clock at night. Ooh. He rolls up in the team truck, um, you know, 
going, all right, we're, we're going to do this. Picks me up at the airport, reach over, shake my hand. Uh, first thing he says is the, as the uh, wheels in the truck start rolling is, you know, uh, some people would describe me as uh, mercurial. I'm like, okay, that's an introduction. Here we go. Um, so <laughs> we, uh, we talk shop, uh, you know, for the 20, 30 minutes it takes to get us uh, over, over to his place. Um, you know, I was staying with him for that weekend. Um, I'll be, I'm going to let you down here a little bit. I don't remember much out of that conversation. <laughs> well, there goes, there goes 10 of my questions. Ah, like, oh, man. Um, but no, I mean, uh, general impressions is like, you know, this is a guy who, who is really passionate, who really deeply cares about his program. You know, he's poured at this point, you know, 13, 14 years into, into Grand Valley after, you know, a, uh, you know, a long career, um, at Marietta, Wichita State, uh, Charleston, um, you know, and this is this is the, the place that he's been, you know, just pouring himself into for, you know, a decade and a half uh, at that point. It was really clear, like, you know, what, um, you know, how much he felt about about this program. And he was really looking forward to, um, you know, to making sure that it's got the best. Everything like he like he he made it his everything like like his entire life went through these roller coasters to make that place great. Mm -hmm. So you're, you're there, you get this G, I guess a GA position or you get a uh, assistant position. Like what, what's the title? Yeah. I mean, I was the, uh, I was an assistant coach um, and uh, I operations, you know, so uh, I coached the, uh, the novice women um, that year and um, basically oversaw the boathouse and our, um, and our, uh, land training facility, the, uh, rowing training center. Um, that's a cool little building. Uh, John found that, uh, I want to say in his first year at Grand Valley, looking around for a, a training site that wasn't a hallway of the rec center. Um, there was this, uh, convenience store right across the street from, uh, the main entrance to campus there, uh, in Allendale, um, had been sitting vacant. He was like, that's awesome. Um, <laughs> you know, convinced the, uh, um, student life to, uh, to, you know, offer to rent it. Um, it's owned by the guy who runs the auto shop right next door, um, and lives on the other door. So we've got a great, you know, great setup with our landlord there. And, you know, we've been there since, uh, 2006, I want to say, um, great little facility, um, and a great find on John's part. Yeah, no, he, that guy knows how, knows what he's doing. Um, you and Tori pull up stakes and go in the middle of the damn country on you're like 31 32 uh i mean what is she did, did did she have a career that that she could leave like what like i mean i know she's supportive but jesus christ and you're going from dc like, <laughs> to the middle of nowhere my wife is a saint let me uh, let me just start okay. by that um Good. yeah she uh she had a pretty uh, pretty interesting career in dc um worked for the smithsonian institute of uh our smithsonian museum of american history um spent some time with npr um, and was looking to get it more into the, uh, into the nonprofit space, um, which, you know, was actually part of our, part of our conversations around this whole career switch was that a, her skills are really transferable. Um, you know, she'll be able to find a position in pretty much any city we end up in. And it helps that most of the rowing programs that, you know, I'd be looking to, I'd be looking to work with, um, all happen to have all the stuff that you'd need to find a lot of nonprofits, you know, uh, for what, for better or for worse, we know rowing is a, uh, lack of a better term, a sport for a bunch of rich white people. Um, you know, and that's tends to be a lot of where the, <laughs> where nonprofits are as well. Um, 
you know, so notwithstanding all of the, you know, all of the other, you know, social issues that go into that, um, there's a good dovetail between where our skills can be valuable. Um, you know, so she was on board, um, <laughs> did kind of fun, kind of funny when um, I mentioned, hey, you know, I think this, this position at Grand Valley up around Grand Rapids uh, would be cool. What do you think? And she goes, Grand what? <laughs> so, um, but yeah, she, uh, she ended up uh, actually was able to work for work remote for NPR uh, for several months before um, actually finding a really sweet position um, working at a center for philanthropy here at Grand Valley as well. Uh, so we're both Grand Valley employees and, um, you know, she's been there since October of uh, 17. Wow. That's, I love that. Uh, okay. So I remember the day, so I grew up in Atlantic city where, where Ben Carey grew up. Mm -hmm. uh, like, so I am with my wife and kids, we're walking the beach. This is new year's day. And we jump in the ocean. It's the, it's the biggest event in South Jersey. And I had just gotten out of the water and I think this is 2019. And here walks down the beach, the largest man there is like on the, on the beach. And I'm like, that's coach. And I go booking it. Now I'm, I've, I've also had a lot to drink. Uh, so we jumped in the water and I come run up to this. I, he gives me a big old hug and he says, you're not going to believe this, but I got a coaching job here at Stockton. I'm going to run this program. So I know that you guys had this conversation because you were the natural transition, right? To get into the head coaching position. Um, what was that conversation like with him as he's leaving Grand Valley? This is a year and a half after, two years after that you'd started, right? So it's not really much time. What was that conversation like with him? Extended. Um, Extended. Yeah. Uh, now, a lot of this is John's story to tell and not mine. Um, but the broad strokes of it, um, there was some contention between John and the school. Uh, mm -hmm. at the end of 1718. Um, and at that point, it was a question whether or not John would be, uh, would be returning in the fall. Um, at that point, uh, you know, we'd had a couple of conversations that, you know, between um, myself and uh, other main assistant who'd been working for John and rode for him, uh, Costas Chungan, um, he's going on at that point nine years uh, with, uh, with Grand Valley um, and working for and with John. Um, you know, that between the two of us, uh, you know, we'd be able to uh, uh, keep the program going um, and moving in the direction that John has pushed it, you know, for so long. Um, fortunate enough that, um, you know, things got figured out and uh, he was able to, uh, he was able to come back and, uh, you know, really work, um, continue his work that fall. Um, but then when that stocking job came up, um, it's really, it was really, to, to my understanding, it was a job that he just, he needed to take. Um, you know, getting yeah. to, uh, getting to go back home, uh, be around family, but also do something that he's really, really good at in taking a program and building it into something. Um, and so he was really excited to be able to take that job. Um, obviously, you know, crushed to leave Grand Valley after, you know, so many years and, uh, you know, blood, sweat, tears, all that, um, you know, this place that I'll be honest, even, you know, a couple of years later, like this is still his program. Um, you know, all the stuff that, you know, contributes to the success that we're having now it, it's it's stuff that he built it's stuff that he saw put in place um you know so um really got to give him a ton of credit like all of it <laughs> um but yeah you know he got that opportunity to, uh you know to take stockton uh take over stockton and it's it, it, was, it was a fantastic job for him um you know and we're really happy obviously sad to lose him 
um, you know, but really happy that he's got that chance, um, you know, to kind of finish his career um, where he started it. I, I mean, like, yeah, he actually, yeah, he started on those waterways. Uh, and I have a million John stories, coach stories. Uh, but so, you know, end of the 2018 season, um, he gets this opportunity. Like, what happens internally for you to, like, when do you move into this head coaching role? When do you become the leader of Grand Valley? So John took the uh, Stockton job uh, starting in January of 19. Mm-hmm. And at that point, the, uh, the school didn't want to start a, uh, a head coaching search until the end of that spring. Um, so Costas and I uh, took over and kind of split the administration roles. Um, we kind of divvied up uh, all the stuff that John had been doing uh, and took it, you know, be t- took it between ourselves. Um, hired another, uh, another coach to help out with uh, the novice men. So Costas had been coaching the novice men. He moved up to the work with the varsity. Uh, so we hired another, uh, another alum, uh, Rob Heiner, um, to go along with uh, Victoria West, uh, who was coaching the novice women that year. Victoria is now uh, doing a bang up job up at uh, University of Minnesota uh, with their women's program. So um, kudos there. Um, and uh, so between, between the two of us, uh, you know, Costas and I took over a lot of the, uh, the admin that year, uh, hosted a pair of regattas, <laughs> which we were in no way prepared for, uh, but we made work um, and got the, uh, got the team uh, fairly, fairly successfully all the way through uh, ACRA at the, uh, at the end of that spring. Um, the school started uh, their interview process like May, you know, so right in the middle of championship season, we're uh, also having to think about applying and interviewing and doing all this. Um, so it was a bit of a, a bit of a challenge at that point. Um, you know, but at least for me personally, um, I in no way thought I was ready to be a head coach. Uh, there was still so much that I didn't know about, and I still don't, I'm still learning, uh, about collegiate rowing and how it's different from high school rowing and, how to work with Grand Valley, um, you know, work within the structures that exist at Grand Valley, um, you know, and at this point I've, I've had a year and a half, like, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. Um, I know how to coach a boat. I can, I can make oars go in the water and make boat go fast. Um, you know, but all the other aspects of building a program, I'm like, whew, I don't know. <laughs> On the flip side, I couldn't not apply. Yeah. You know, I, I couldn't not throw my hat in the ring. Um, you know, and was fortunate enough to make it through the process and, uh, um, you know, got a, officially offered the job, I want to say in July uh, of that summer, um, signed the contract with three weeks to go uh, before the beginning of the fall. So, oh boy. Um, but, you know, we, uh, we put it all together. Uh, we made it work that year. Well, the, 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 the shit of it is uh, eight months later, you're in COVID. Right. So like your first major season, you're, uh, you're, you're gone, you're done. You can't do anything. Right. Uh, which maybe in hindsight is good for you because maybe you learned a little bit about having to persevere, run a program and, and not have all the craziness that's happening of like going to regattas and everything. Right. Um, looking back at that time, um, maybe was that a relief a little bit that you had a little bit of a window or only like- in hindsight. Only in hindsight. At the time, I was pissed because um, our crews were humming. Uh, you know, it was it was looking like it was going to be a really, really, really good spring. 
Um, we were coming off a really great uh, spring break down in Clemson. Uh, the guys had had some of their best rowing that they'd had all year. Um, they were raring. They were raring to go. Uh, you know, the women were the women placed sixth at the Charles that year, um, and they had just gotten better. They had just gotten better over the over the winter. Um, we were really looking to do some damage that spring, and then we get two practices after coming back from spring break. And uh, while we're on the water that Wednesday, um, March 11, uh, we all get emails uh, saying, all right, we're uh, shutting things down. Everybody needs to uh, go home for two weeks and we'll uh, talk to you about what happens then. Two weeks turned into two months, turned into maybe we're going to get to go back to school in the fall. Unreal. So yeah, frustrating. Frustrating as anything. I mean, worse for the athletes. Um, you know, they've got, they've put in this point six months into you know what is shaping up to be a really promising campaign um and then they got yanked out from under their feet especially for the seniors there who are going to just do awesome things um and then they get told sorry come back next year or not graduate don't see your season out i i in my interviews in my podcast i tend to not talk about um the pandemic like i try not to because it's like it you know, it brings in a lot of like uncomfortable and, and really just shitty emotions. Like, man, like what a terrible thing for some of those seniors that that had the transition with you and, and Van Carey and, and finding the speed and like top six at the Charles and and then saying, hey, sorry, you know, you're you're done. Um, especially how competitive Grand Valley is. Those athletes, I've met them. I, I interviewed for a GA position years and years ago, and I know like how serious they take rowing like. Grand Valley takes it serious. And in two weeks, you got dad veils and dad veils you've done very well at dad veils over the years. Grand Valley has amassed a lot of success there. You're 36, 37 years old. You're the head coach. This is your first major spring uh, being that head coach. Are you looking forward to dad veils? Are you looking forward to this spring? I mean, what, what are you, how are you feeling right now? I'm feeling good. Um, I'm feeling really good. Um, we just had macro uh, in Grand Rapids last week, uh, this weekend. So how did you do? Because uh, I, I, I didn't look results up yet. How did you do? Yeah, I mean, I think as expected uh, across the board, um, you know, I think uh, it, was, uh, it, was, it, was a, it was a mix of, you know, uh, two expectations, past expectations, maybe a little bit below, um, you know, but I think the, the story of the, uh, of the program is that we're right where we need to be. Um, we are just getting faster, just getting better. Um, and we've got three weeks to go before, you know, national championships down in uh, Oak Ridge um, with, you know, a little stop off to Philly before. Um, but yeah, I think uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to getting out on the water there and knocking heads with some of those big varsity programs um, and then sweeping down into uh, into Oak Ridge. And uh, I think we can really I think we're going to be pleased. Um, you know, our uh, our varsity men um, you know, had a good time getting out in the uh, we're rowing a four uh, this year, uh, getting out of the eight. Um, just it's a small team um you know so four is our uh, our, our our best shot there um you know they, they had a good row um out in the far lane had some current issues but you know we can only complain about the conditions so much you know yeah. uh, they had a good row and uh you know they're making the changes that we need to make and uh, making the progress that we need to make i'm looking forward to seeing them uh on the water in philly um our varsity women uh were two lengths down on mercyhurst um over like a an eight minute race um and Honestly, Mercyhurst is going to go win the D2 National Championship this year. So uh, I can't be mad about that. 
<laughs> you know, um, we just need a couple more beats of, uh, of, uh, of rate, uh, to match what they were doing. And, uh, you know, I think, uh, we're going to be very happy with how things go at Vales and, uh, and Acra this year, uh, novice men, they took it on the chin a little bit, ton of credit to, uh, Greg Hartsif and, uh, and the work he's done at Michigan this year. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, that past 28 years, really, um, <laughs> you know, it's a hell of a program there. Um, but no, uh, Michigan's crews have really turned it around. So, uh, they, uh, their novices punched our boys in the mouth, uh, reversed a result from earlier in the year. Um, so good on them. Um, and I know it's going to light a fire under our guys. Our novice women came out with a couple of medals, which, you know, was awesome. Um, you know, so yeah, I mean, across the board, like I'm, I'm happy with where we are and, you know, all of our squads have something to, uh, something to hang their hat on and, uh, and really fuel their training over the next couple of weeks going to Vales. There's a, so, so I, you know, I run a business and, um, I read a lot about leadership and the reoccurring theme is if you are honest, people gravitate towards honesty. Success comes, it builds. Saying, I don't know what I'm doing, actually build strength with a program or build strength with a company because they, you know, everyone wants to help you. That's been the reoccurring theme here in this entire podcast, this entire honesty. You weren't very good in high school. You had a mediocre college experience. You, 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 you were in jail one night, which is hilarious. Uh, you didn't make it to Cornell. And you're telling me these things as, uh, you know, and, and I've really like just met you here. You said you didn't know what you were doing, but you applied for a job. And now you're 36, 37, running a very successful history program. Dan, I think big things are happening for you in the future. And I, I got to tell you, I can't wait to see you in dad bales in two weeks and cheer for your team. I, I'm going to be there on the bank screaming my face off as I watch the V8 women come down, hopefully going for a medal. Dan, I had a blast. I hope you did too. Really did. Thank you. This is, this is a lot of fun. Oh, there it is. Now, anyone that stayed tuned to watch or listen to this podcast, if you want to learn more about Grand Valley and if you want to get in touch with Dan, because I'm assuming, Dan, you want recruits. You want kids to come out and row, am I right? Amen. There it is. So if you want to learn more, there's the link and his bio somewhere here in the podcast. This was number 96. Everyone, thank you.